Welcome back to Prudential Center. At the time of this recording, not necessarily the time that you're listening to this, it is the last week of the regular season. That doesn't mean the end of the podcast. We have a lot of plans for it. Can't announce them yet because the people haven't agreed yet. But the one thing I always like to say is that in addition to working here with the Devils, I'm a fan. And I love, I have loved this team since I, I was a kid. I take my kids to the games. Ironically, in two of the last seasons, I have taken my eight-year-old to a game in which John Moore has scored the overtime game-winning goal. I do think that we need to discuss a ticket deal because, let's face it, I could be John Moore's agent as we welcome John Moore to the podcast. Welcome. What do you think? Can I negotiate this? You score overtime game-winning goals whenever I take my daughter. Yeah, I don't think there's any negotiating necessary. Uh, Let's get signed up for season tickets yeah then we'll worry about everything else from there but yeah it's uh it's fun to score and uh but again let's get her signed up you know it's it's one of those things and there was also a program where you were on the cover so like this is going to sound strange but my daughter has a poster of you in her in her room on her bulletin board and all all i think about is that's that's the best part of hockey is that kids find names and they find people that they adjust to. It doesn't have to be Wayne Gretzky. It doesn't have to be Sidney Crosby. It can be a guy who scores the occasional game-winning goal. Yeah, I know personally uh, when I was a kid, I went to a Blackhawks game and it was in kind of the dark days of that franchise and Eric Daze gave me a stick and I'll forever remember him and be a lifelong fan of his. Um uh yeah so it's really special when as you said your daughter has that little memento and you know as the stars aligned I was able to score a goal so um it's cool it's fun it's I guess that's the beauty of sports right it it was also very neat that the atmosphere in the building was as electric as it was it felt like a big game and you know I don't we don't need to get into the whole status of the season and you know playing out strings and and, and things like that but considering the fact of where this team's at and how many games are left I just did you guys sense the 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 buzz there during the course of what was for the most part a scoreless game yeah it was um it was packed last night and especially with where we're at in the standings like it feels really good to play in front of a lot of fans and you felt bad. It was a bit of a pillow fight most of the game, but uh, you could feel the energy kind of building when we had that big kill with like two minutes left. And then um, it kind of just erupted when we scored. And, you know, it's it's great. We have passionate fans here, and I know everyone says that, but, you know, it's cool that we're the, the only, you know, major league sports team in, in the state, and we definitely get a lot of support. You have played for a number of different organizations, so I don't like to put words in people's mouth. What is the difference between playing for the Devils, let's say, than, than any other team? Um, that's a great question. Um, oh, that's my one. This podcast is over. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Frosty? Our equipment manager, Chris Scarpetto, came over and gave me the business. I think there's like a, a pride that exists. Um, obviously, the, there's a lot of success. There's a great deal of history here for a relatively new franchise. Um, 
And having said that, you have fans that have experienced these great runs, great teams with, you know, Hall of Fame, amazing players. They recognize good hockey. They expect a, an honest effort. And, you know, they're fair and they're really supportive. Um, again, I come back to that word pride. They're a proud group to play in front of. And, you know, I take a lot of... You know, it, it's really fun to put on that sweater every night and play for him. You know, that being said, you also played for the Rangers. And, again, it's not tit for tat, but there's something different about that organization versus this one. It seems like the, you cannot deny the numbers in population and history and years and, and all the things that the Rangers have. But there is a there is a divine hatred of that franchise uh, from a fan standpoint, what about from a player standpoint, having been on both sides? Well, you, I think, you know, I came to the Rangers from Columbus, so I wasn't really exposed to many big-time rivalries. Um, I remember my first game against the Devils playing for the Rangers was the last game of the year at MSG. We had clinched the playoff spot. The Devils were missing the playoffs, but it was still like, we're playing the Devils. You better come come ready to play. Um, and I think the fans almost set the tone. Like, it's packed. There's the occasional fight in the stands. Like, people get fired up for these games. And uh, I think I don't want to say the fans set the tone because, you know, we're professionals. We take a lot of pride in what we do. But you definitely feel that energy in the building, and you want to bring your A game. And, you know, we're, we're – both sides of the puck you're competitive people and um you know the the level of play certainly ratchets up you could see that you know we played the rangers last two weeks ago and they had a five on five brawl back and forth it was a great game those are games that are fun to play in and the, new jersey has a lot of rivals like that you know i i, I always call them tiered rivals yeah. the rangers the flyers are, are right in there the islanders are are, are part of that too um, and then there's the, the other tier, there's the Penguins and the Capitals. And it just seems like, and again, this is not a knock on Columbus, it just seems like even on the West Coast, you don't have that many rivals and that many teams to, to dislike or to root against. I think uh, it's almost the intersection of not just, you know, who the franchise is, but the cities. Yeah. These, uh, the you know, people that take a lot of pride in civically where they're from and it's like it's not just the devils or someone else it's you know jersey and people are proud of that and uh you know it's fun and those are fun games to play in for sure you grew up in illinois uh a blackhawks fan when did being a hockey fan get replaced with wanting to be a hockey player well, it happened a lot quicker in my mind than in my parents' mind. So I guess the the big act for me was convincing my parents to, you know, let me follow this lifelong dream. But to be honest, uh, I always loved the game. I always, you know, it was all I would do, all I would watch. But I was always really small and smallest guy, last guy picked on a lot of my teams growing up. And then when I was 15, 16, I started growing and got stronger and filled into my body and uh everything just started falling into place for me and uh went played in the ushl had a couple good years and i remember my coach saying you you know you could get drafted in the nhl and right then and there it was like uh 
uh, you know, you could, you know, take a run at this and maybe, uh, you know, follow your heart and follow your dreams. But it's interesting because unlike some other players that we've spoken to on the show, you are in, you grew up in a city that has baseball, football. You have the the Cubs, I assume the Cubs, the Bears. Um, What was it about hockey? Yeah, you make the point, like, you know, guys in here from Canada, that's like a religion up there, and it's really all there is, Where, whereas um, there's a lot in Chicago. In term- I grew up, really, with Michael Jordan and the heyday, so that's everyone's right. wanted to be a basketball player, but... Um, you need height for that. There's yeah, nothing... You, you can't train for height. No amount of heart could have willed my way into the NBA, but... Um, I think uh, for me, my my dad, my family has always been really into hockey. He grew up as a Blackhawks fan when they were in the original six and telling me bedtime stories about Bobby Hall and Stan Makita and those series against the Montreal Canadiens. And I was always captivated by that. I always, and um, you know, it was a bit of an undertaking to be a hockey fan in the city of Chicago when I was younger. That none of the games were televised. You could only watch the road games. They're playing in the Western Conference, so you're a young kid. These games come on at 10. You don't really get to see them. Um, but I always had a stick in my hand. Always, um, you know, envisioned I was playing in the Stanley Cup Final and scoring the game-winning goal. And so I guess I just have an, an inherent love for the game. I'm only asking, this is a silly question, but I'm asking it because you might give a great answer. And that is, okay, uh, Red Wings, Blackhawks versus Devils, Rangers. What's a better rivalry? I, I think Devils, Rangers. Uh, you know, Midwestern people are a little more buttoned up. <laughs> I think there's some chants that go on in our games. I don't know if I can repeat them on this form of... <laughs> but... Uh, you can say him on the podcast, yeah. just not when my eight-year-old's here. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep this family friendly. But they're, uh, I think I remember hearing a Detroit sucks chant one time and thinking that was bad, but little did I know. Um, yeah. I just, again, I, I think it's like across all sports, like everything's so close here in the East, whereas like when you're in the Midwest or out West, it's a lot farther so there's so much more pride like you you a lot of these people interact do business with each other and their paths cross and every it seems like there's a lot of uh you know people that cross paths a lot more more so out east especially in the tri-state area i would think from a from a sheer physical standpoint that's also easier because to go to pittsburgh is not like for example i worked for the avalanche they had the worst schedule in in the world they traveled everywhere was a flight where you guys can hop on a train go on a bus you know you you can get to a lot of road games so you in essence have less road games or road trips you know to go to brooklyn or to go to madison square garden i wouldn't really call that a road trip no like we had a back-to-back last weekend and first one's in brooklyn second one's in philly like that's a joke you compare that to some of these teams out west like they it's almost unfair i and I remember the biggest thing for me was I was when I was traded from Columbus to the Rangers, Columbus was in the Western Conference at that time, and we were getting crushed in that lockout year with uh, travel. And I come to the Rangers, like, we didn't get on an airplane for, like, three weeks. It's It was nuts. Um, 
it's uh and I, I I'm really curious about that. Like I asked Taylor Hall about that, how he thinks the schedule is compared um to the West. And it's uh you know, it's funny just how different it is life is in the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. You um it's it's interesting that you referenced Taylor Hall because uh, I was speaking to him right before we were recording. When he came on the show, he made a really interesting point. I'm going to kind of change gears here uh, about the Olympics. And he had said this was probably we recorded it six weeks ago. So the news had just come down this week. If you're listening, the news had just come down that the NHL does not plan on suspending the schedule so players can play in the Olympics. And Taylor had said, which I had never heard a player say, was that when the season is condensed and it's all you know consolidated because of the olympic break and you know still trying to finish on time there's more injuries the quality of play suffers there's really something to be said for how much of a grind that is because you're playing back-to-backs every week i'm just curious to get your thought now that it's it's kind of official that the nhl is not going to suspend its schedule what's your thought about the idea that it actually can be a better product I agree 100% with that point. Um, you know, selfishly, the schedule sucks when it's condensed. Like, this year's a prime example with the World Cup and and the bye week. Like, um, they're all great things in theory, but I think um, definitely we need to figure out a way to to make our product as as lucrative and attractive as possible. And it's it almost gets watered down when you're playing, like, six games and nine nights every way you slice it and but I also think there is a responsibility as players and I know the decision has been made to not go to the Olympics but I just think that's an enormous mistake um you know the responsibility to to take on a temporary burden which is a condensed schedule to grow the game um let's like the winter olympics the marquee event is what figure skating which is two nights and then hockey which you have the best of the best going against each other and you attract people who are you know very proud of their country not necessarily hockey fans you're bringing in new fans and i just I, you you know i know that the people making these decisions are very smart savvy businessmen but you know you wonder if they're being a little bit short-sighted here. I see both sides to this argument, so I'll play the devil's advocate on a devil's podcast. <laughs> you can be a devil's advocate. Um, the idea that the games are in South Korea, um, because of the social media age and, and, and what you know the Internet is, there's really no tape delay. And that the idea is for American fans, you know, North American fans, they're not going to see a majority of the games. I I. I understand globalization, but is the idea that because the games are all the way on the other side of the world, the timeline doesn't fit out for missing three and a half weeks of of the NHL? I'm going to play devil's advocate back. On a a devil's podcast. On a devil's podcast. I think that any argument that, you know, the exposure over here is hurt or affected because of time change is a bunch of baloney. Like, they don't care about... Like, they already have maximized the viewership, the interests of hockey in North America. What's the biggest untapped market? It's got to be China. Like, the, does the KHL have a team there? I, I don't. Do they? I'm not sure. But 
you got to think with you look at the strides the NBA has made in China, and there's talk that they're going to have like teams over there in the next however many years. I think that it's it would be foolish not to check that out and expose yourself in prime time in that part of the world. The what about the idea that players are saying that they were going to play anyway? That, 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 that it's that do you think that this is do you think this is over or do you think there's there's more dialogue going to is this a story we're going to hear more about over the summer for sure nothing is as cut and dry as this seems i think they have two schedules i don't have to use that in the podcast but do you think they have two schedules no nope. i act on an unrelated note like how do they make a how do you go about making a schedule oh, in the so- nhl so I'm sure they have an infinite amount of schedules. Like, um, but what was what were we talking about before? That? Well, it's funny that you brought up the schedule because I don't know how it's done in the NHL, but uh, Major League Baseball just lost this this amazing uh, former coworker of mine, uh, Katie Feeney, who was in charge of the schedules, and she once took my my broadcast partner and I on a on a tour of how they do it. It is the hardest, and that's baseball. That's 162 games. How, how that is the hardest thing. They it's have not to a ma- computer program. You don't just press go no. and it's done. <laughs> no, they have to factor in uh, miles per between cities. Yeah, and they have to match everything. Again, this is baseball, so not hockey. I don't know how the because in hockey there's off days, so they build, but it's also arena availability. Yeah. So arena availability factored in with road trips, so that you're not doing. Like, you wouldn't want the Devils to go to Arizona, Boston, L.A. Yeah. Like, you, you, you can't do that. So all of those have to add up, and it's a lot of combinations. Yeah, I would be – I would think that where our hiccups are arena availability, theirs would be strictly volume, like 162 games. But, man, talk about – Great job, though. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I couldn't do that scheduling like man i have enough time figuring out what i'm gonna eat (laughs) but if we thought if we figured out let's say if we gave ourselves a week and we didn't you didn't have practice we didn't have games a week you don't think we could figure out the schedule but like where do you start do you start with one team like okay we're gonna do the angels today and then we'll do the washington nationals tomorrow and then like at a certain point you'll be halfway through and you're like oh shit they're in la and then they're in boston like but yeah, hats off to them for figuring that one out. It's a, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty random thing. You mentioned the growth of hockey, and you brought an interesting point. Um, arenas are filled, not a hundred percent capacity, but pretty close. I think it's ninety eight percent capacity. This is still a sport that has huge attendance, you know, lucrative attendance deals. Um, there has been a theory, a statistic, not a theory. There's been a statistic that the hockey fan has the largest time spent viewing. Really? Uh, yeah, the time spent viewing is it's not number of people watching. You know, football is is, is the yeah. king for that. But that a hockey fan will tune in for longer. So, for example, if a football fan on average watches 11 minutes, the hockey fan watches 18 minutes because the hockey fan seemingly is more invested in the product yeah i could see that it's so much more fluid too um yeah that makes a lot of sense um 
all those like studies and figures are fascinating. Like you taught, I was reading the other day about the growth of, of European soccer and how they attribute it to it's very defined. You're going to get 45 minutes, give or take a few minutes, and you get a break, and people can go on their phones, they can do what they need to do. Um, I think hockey benefits in some regard along those same lines in the fact that you have 20 minutes really of which turn into 40 uh, with whistles and stuff um, of action, and then you have a little bit of a break. The breaks always seem shorter too when you're playing. When you're watching, it's like holy, holy crap! What are these guys doing? But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to look at all that stuff. You know, it's an interesting point that you bring up because games are pretty finite. It's about two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, an NHL game. What do you feel about before I get to the shootout question? What do you think about the three-on-three overtime and just the propensity for 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 fans? I love it. Like it's. To play or to watch? Both. Like, uh, if I'm sitting at home and I see a bunch of games are tied, I'm turning those on. I'm, and uh, it's back and forth. It's it's not a, a skills competition like the shootout. There's still, like, some unbelievable skill. And guys doing amazing things. And I think that it's so new and revolutionary. The coaches haven't really figured it out yet. I think that's kind of where it gets its youthfulness and sexiness, I guess. Would would it be better if you could be commissioner for a day? Uh, and yes, the commissioner's coming on this podcast, so we might play it for him. Um, the idea is longer overtime before the shootout. I haven't heard a lot of players outwardly support the shootout. I know goalies don't love it. I would have to look at the numbers. Um I, I would question what percentage of games are ending in overtime versus a shootout. If that number was over, say, 75% in favor of the overtime, I'd say keep it as it is. My only concern with adding time on the overtime is that it, I don't know, it takes on like a life of its own. But I feel like we're venturing into this whole nother territory of how do you weight games? Like, shouldn't a regulation win count more than an overtime win? I think so. And I'd be curious at the end of the year, if you redistributed points based on that, what changes would, like, yeah, what would there be any? And who would benefit the most? Who would suffer the most? I'd be really curious to see that. That that just became a summer project. We could do that on the podcast. Yeah. We could map all those things out. The um, the thing about uh, ties, what did you feel about ties, I guess mostly as a fan, but also as a player? Is there a dissatisfaction from playing 60 minutes of hockey, playing the, the five-minute overtime, and walking away without a win or a loss? Yeah, that sucks. Like, oh, that, that's out. Yeah, no ties. That's brutal. Um like I have, I was, I wasn't in the league when the games were ending in a tie. But you know, talk about a weird thing. Like, would they play music in the locker room after a tie? Like, how, how did that one work? Um, it's good to have a winner. Like, even, yeah, ties suck. No one likes ties. Well, the theory about extending overtime is that you'll have triple overtime games, and then that team will have to play a back to back. Like so that's the that's the worry. It, the, the theory is if you can't extend overtime for the reasons that you mentioned, 
you have to go to the shootout. So that so you're in favor of keeping the shootout exactly the way. If you can be commissioner for the day, you could be the you you're all about the shootout. I just think um, it would be irresponsible. Like you talk about player safety, you talk about like ice conditions. If you went like nonstop till someone won, that's a lot of extra hockey that we're playing. Um, I think the shootout ha- definitely has a place, and you know, if it's shootouts or ties, like ask me a hard question. Give me the shootout. So that's my answer. When you look at um, the course of a season for goalies, you know that's one of the the Martin Brodeur statistics. You know he's the winningest goalie of all time, but a lot of those were shootout victories. And that if you took those wins and turned them into ties, he's still the winningest goalie, but his numbers were different. I think there has to be some sort of representation of that in terms of the record books. Like you, um, baseball is kind of going through the same thing in terms of, you know, this is a very deep issue and there's a lot there, but how do you quantify steroids? And how does, I think, I'm not comparing the two, you know, the change in the rules to steroids, but shootout versus steroids. What's your thought? No, John Moore. (laughs) But, um, I think that for the sake of history and for respect for people who have played the game in years past, it definitely, there should be some sort of conversion or at least note on that. It's interesting because, you know, that era, uh, has, has come and gone, and I'm not an advocate for steroids, but a lot of people have said that uh, the game has really suffered. It's not as thrilling a game. There's, <laughs> there's more strikeouts, and you know the, the offense is down across the board. And you know the NHL has gone, I think, in in smart ways. Goalies will disagree, but Keith Kincaid's not here, so it's okay. Um, the idea that you can create uh, a, a a scenario where and you can inject a little bit of offense and not lose the quality of what makes hockey good. Yeah, I would be livid if I was a goalie. Like, So, like, everyone's saying, all right, the goalies are too good, so we're going to do all this stuff to make expose them. Like, there's no justice in that. But, hey, offense sells. Like, when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were going homer for homer, like, those stadiums were packed. That was must-watch television. That was awesome. Um I think that purists on both sides of the sports, um, you know, it's it's a lot more enjoyable to the average fan to watch someone hit a home run than watch someone throw a complete game no hitter. Um, I think the same thing can be said for hockey. It's a lot more enjoyable as the average Joe fan to watch a seven six barn burner rather than a amazingly played defensive game where a team wins one nothing. Right. I, I, one nothing games have value when you score the the only goal, um, but yeah. but the idea that you know it's that happy medium that it doesn't have to be the extremes it doesn't have to always be one nothing and it doesn't always have to be seven six that there is value in five three, for sure. And I think the special thing about our product right now is you're getting both on any given night. You don't know what you're going to get, and um, so that unpredictability is, uh, I think, a, a, a cool element of our sport. You mentioned uh, the tradition and, uh, you know, 
we've talked a lot about the history. The last episode of this podcast was Patrick Elias, and he had just announced his retirement, and um, his 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 legend continues to grow. He's going to have his number retired, and he's going to skate with the team one, one more time. And we're actually sitting next to his locker uh, when we recorded this, and and it's just kind of neat to see that name as a player. When how much appreciation do you have, not just for Patty, but for the tradition that teams have and how important it is for franchises to honor that tradition? I think it's um, it's really cool. First of all, what a tremendous career by Patty Elias. Uh, he was a world-class player. It was an absolute honor to play with him. And he's an even better person. And I couldn't be happier for him and to uh, for him to receive all the recognition is it's tremendous and he deserves every single second of it i think that hockey does an amazing job in honoring you know the greats and all all the people that have done amazing things for each and every franchise um and it's really cool to like just start a dialogue about who this person was why and what and you know who you think could be and why they're not and um, these are all things, conversations you have. You know, you're taking your young daughter to games and you're pointing and telling her stories. These, these are, um, you know, cool things, and it's it's great that they're pillars of these organizations. Last year, the uh, the the Marty ceremony was something else, and it uh, we're not just saying we're, we're not getting paid extra to to say this. That was a memorable thing that people remember. Uh, that ceremony, and I would imagine all the ceremonies for Patrick are, are, are going to be just just the same. It seems like this franchise puts a great stock in the championships that they've they've won. Yeah, the guys in charge do a great job here in the statue. I joked with Patty, uh, "Where's the statue going to be? <laughs> Maybe by the Chipotle, get a little more foot traffic." But um, it's uh, it's. Uh, I also told him like Marty's statue's great, but make Patty's like ten feet tall. Like give him, make him like maybe put a little more muscle tone on him. And but uh, it's uh, it's really cool, and it was cool to be a part of that. I I didn't play with Marty, but obviously admi- played against him, right? You yeah. played against him with the Rangers. Against him, played against him, but um, you know, being a fan of the sport, and he's been doing it. He did it as long as I'd been alive, and. Got a lot of respect for that guy playing goalie, and uh, it was. I think one of the coolest things was seeing all the the greats come back for it and hear what they had to say, and you know their interpretation of what greatness is. It's really cool to to listen to. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's really neat. We've had uh, Dano on on the on the podcast. We had Kevin Weeks on the podcast. Um, uh, other people who just provide that. Uh, unique uh, story and it's just always interesting to see Patrick's Patrick Elias my favorite part of the conversation from from that interview was the 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 2000 championship the 2003 championship to the team that went to the finals in 2012 he has such a different role on that team he's the elder statesman he's he's the he's the extra guy and there's there's something to be said for that role changing during the course of history to what it must be like for him to go into this dressing room and, and see 
what players are the future of, of, of any franchise. Yeah, it's amazing. Just the the amount of time he's been here. I remember my wife saying to me when he retired, like, wow, he is, from the time I've been three years old to now, was his career as a New Jersey Devil. And when you think about it in those terms, it's like, man, he's seen a lot. And uh, you talk about the evolution of a player and a role and a career and... Uh, you know, even like he, however many games he played for us last year, like he's he's a special player. He's a special guy to have around in the locker room, and uh, you know, we're we're all better off for having crossed paths with him. Finally, as we as we let you out of here, um, this has been fun. Um, what what do you think was the defining? words defining description of this particular team not a playoff team not one of the devil's best teams but i've often said this team has something i don't know if i can i can eloquate it so well but what is it about this particular team that this particular season i don't know that's a really tough question um at this point in time you know with where we're at it's and where we'd want to be, where we'd hope to be. I have a tough time answering that. Um, I'm frustrated. Like you, this time of year, you want to be gearing up for playoffs. You want to be getting ready to make a run and feeling that excitement. And, uh, you know, it sucks that we're not, it sucks that we're going home and however many days, but I do think that there is something to be said for finishing with with pride and finishing with respect and and um you know honoring your teammates honoring your fans honoring the organization and the jersey and um i think that's our focus here these next couple of games so i i'm I, I don't really know how to answer your question to be honest with you no but i appreciate the honesty i, I think that uh it is a it's a frustrating time and um from Coach Hines to the veterans to the young guys, it's been very interesting to see the growth of this dressing room. And I think the people in this room really like each other. And, you know, with a lack of success, there breeds change. And that, that's also something that everyone needs to kind of get used to and, 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 and understand. Yeah, I, I think um, that goes without saying. There's, you know, that there'll be change this summer and, uh, but, you know, I think we're definitely in, in great hands in terms of leadership with Heinze and Ray. And um, it's just uh, we got to, you know, it's so much fun to win. It's so much fun to be competitive and, like, be right there. And you want to do that. Your career, you have no idea how long your career is going to be. And every single guy in here dreams of winning a Stanley Cup. And it all starts with making the playoffs. And then that's got to be our focus coming in next year is, uh, you know, right from day one, being ready to go. What is your off-season plan? Are you planning on sticking around Jersey? Or are you going to go back home? Or what, 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 is the, what is the John Moore summer like? Uh, I'm sticking around Jersey. My, my wife and I are expecting our first child in July. And oh, nice. Congrats. Oh, smart that it, the, the birthday is always going to be in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, you won't be in Winnipeg when, when that happens. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> and um, we couldn't be more excited. We're 
you know, the jersey's home for us now, and we're really proud to be a part of obviously being a devil, but, you know, this is our community. This is our home now. On that note, I, I, I want to thank you for, for your time. This has been a, a enlightening, and like I said, I think podcasts are better when they're honest. Yeah. And if anything about this discussion, whatever the different directions we went, there was a lot of honesty here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for having me, and I'd love to come back if you ever need a guest. Uh, he, now, now maybe he'll, he'll be the co-host. He'll interview these players. Uh, I'm Seth Everett. That's John Moore. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. Uh, don't worry. The season, uh, regular season's coming to an end. Uh, there are more podcasts in the future. There's many more plans that I at least have to do. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time.